0: Victor Wembenyama was the number one draft picked by the San Antonio Spurs in last spring's NBA draft. He's 7'4", 18-year-old Wunderkind, and he would have been anybody's number one pick, whoever had the first pick. Uh, And that's because uh, everybody in scouting him is like, the only question with Victor is how great a star is he going to be? And so uh, he, there's no real question with Victor Wembimyama whether he's going to make the NBA. It's just a question of how big a star is he going to be? How great will he be? And so uh, people are watching even now as the NBA season has kicked off with sort of interest and excitement. He seems to have limitless upside potential. How's that all going to turn out? On the other hand, Chris Livingston... Uh, is a six-foot-six-inch basketball player from the University of Kentucky. He was the last player taken in the draft last spring. He was drafted uh, 58th by the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, Chris may turn into an NBA star, but right now he's just trying to make the league. Like, that's his goal. He would like to just be in the NBA, to be part of the Bucks, to make the league and make a contribution. Now, I share both of these uh, men's sort of stories with you to say, I don't know where you are this morning in your Christian faith. Maybe you're a little like Victor and you've been a Christian for a while and you're no longer asking the question, how do I get into God's kingdom? How do I get into the kingdom of heaven? You're asking the question here this morning, How do I thrive in this Christian life? How do I do something that matters? Like, how do I, dare I say, be great in the kingdom of heaven? Like, I've been doing this for a little while. How do I take this thing, my game, to the next level? Maybe that's you this morning. And you're not so much worried about, are you going to get in? You're thinking about, okay, well, now that I'm in, now that I'm a Christian, how do I make something out of this? How do I do something that's going to last? How do I be great In God's kingdom. Or maybe you're here this morning and you resonate a little more with Chris's story. And you're thinking, look, I just want to get in. Like I've got so much junk in my life. Like just the idea that I would even make it to heaven. Maybe you're filled with doubts and condemnation in your own soul. Maybe you can't get over stuff you've done in the past. Maybe, to switch metaphors, You feel like you're just running through the airport and you're hoping, you don't care if you sit in first class, you're just hoping to get on the plane before it takes off. Well, whichever one of those two situations you might be in this morning, whether wanting to thrive in the kingdom of heaven or just simply, I just want to get in. I believe Jesus has a message for all of us today. Because it turns out that the same thing that gets you into the kingdom of heaven is also the thing that causes you to thrive in the kingdom of heaven. So this morning, let me invite you to take a Bible and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 18. We would be super honored if you don't have a Bible, if you would grab one from the rack in front of you. And in those Bibles, if you turn to page 799, you will be in Matthew 18. Matthew is a gospel, which means it tells the story of Jesus. It's the first book in the New Testament, which is kind of the second half of the Bible. In Matthew 18, we're going to look together at five verses. And we believe that through these verses, Jesus wants to help us understand how to get into the kingdom of God and how to succeed in the kingdom of God. So Matthew chapter 18... We're covering verses one to five, but I'm gonna stop as we read and sort of comment as we go along the way. Matthew 18, verse one. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You could see this as sort of the Christian version of the Is it LeBron? Is it Michael? Is it Kobe? Is it Wilt? Is it Kareem? Will it be victor? The sort of discussion is, okay, well, in NBA history, who's sort of the best? So the disciples are having this discussion, not about basketball, but sort of about Christian faith, like, okay, when we think about the people who are in the kingdom of heaven, who's going to be greatest? But before we look at how Jesus answers that question, I need to point out that the phrase that's used here is the kingdom of heaven. And we need to talk about what that is just so that we're all on the same page to know exactly the question that's being asked. Because on one hand, we can say the kingdom of heaven is just the longhand version of saying heaven. That what they're talking about here is who's going to be great in heaven. On the other hand, it doesn't say heaven, it says the kingdom of heaven. And that by saying the kingdom of heaven, Something more is being said here than just simply heaven. Let me put it to you this way. How many of you, and I don't want you to raise your hands. I just want you to answer this question in your own mind. How many of you have ever had any anxiety or discomforting feelings about heaven? The idea that we might spend eternity in heaven. If in your mind you're saying, actually, heaven kind of freaks me out a little bit, you're not alone. It's actually relatively common. The idea of thinking about being somewhere forever and ever, that can be a little bit weird, especially if you think, well, if heaven is like a worship service, you might be thinking, an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday is plenty. Like... (laughs) I can't imagine doing this forever. And you might be thinking, look, even if you love worship, even if you love singing, and you could spend all day singing, you still might think, yeah, but after a month or so, it might get old. And the idea of heaven as a sort of giant worship service that never ends doesn't fill you with joy, it actually fills you with apprehension. If that's your situation, it's relatively common, which is why it's super great that this is described as the kingdom of heaven. Because kingdom of heaven tells us something that the word heaven might not on its own. Because if you think, you know, sitting around on clouds strumming harps does not sound like a good time to you, you're not alone. But when we call it the kingdom of heaven, it's supposed to remind us there are kingdoms on this earth. There's the kingdom of America. There's kingdoms on this planet. There have been kingdoms in history. And the word kingdom does not make you think of worship services. Kingdoms make you think of regular daily activities. And so if you think about the kingdom of heaven, it just simply means regular daily activities, but happening in a context of what we would call heaven. So if you think for a moment about your favorite things to do here in the kingdom of America, you might come up with, well, I love good food or I love long walks on the beach or I love Friendsgiving, laughter-filled conversation, reading a good book. You might love going on vacation, seeing new things, the beauty of nature. That's what it means to live in a kingdom. So when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we're simply talking about those kinds of things happening in a context that's heaven. To make sense of this, let's go back again to the analogy of the NBA of course, or the WNBA, but thinking about basketball. If you're here and you love basketball, if you're the kind of person who at recess, you're always out on the basketball court, if you're always finding time to just shoot hoops, if nobody else is around but you're playing, anytime there's a pickup game, you're a yes. And whether you're 15 or 50, if you still have dreams about making the NBA, if you think that basketball is what you love doing, then the idea of going to the NBA would probably excite you because the NBA is sort of basketball in a league designed around basketball. You have arenas, you've got people cheering, you've got people showing up to the events, you've got the best shoes and the best uniforms, you've got the best competition, you've got high salaries, you've got locker rooms and everything designed around the game of basketball. And so if you love basketball, the idea of the NBA excites you because the whole league is designed around that sport. So it is with heaven. If you love reading books, heaven should excite you Because what heaven is, is an entire place designed around that activity. Designed to maximize the enjoyment of that activity. If you love long walks on the beach, you should want to look forward to the kingdom of heaven. Because imagine long walks on the beach in an environment designed to maximize the enjoyment of long walks on the beach. If you love Friendsgiving. If you love laughter-filled conversation. If you love engaging in even athletic activity the idea of the kingdom of heaven should excite you because what heaven is the kingdom of heaven is us doing the activities that bring us joy here in an environment totally designed for them basketball when you're in middle school and basketball in the NBA are still basketball but middle school is nobody's idea of heaven The NBA is that same game, not in the context of a middle school, but now in a context completely designed to maximize the enjoyment of that blessing. That's why the kingdom of heaven is so important. Well, go on. So they've asked this question who's gonna be great in the kingdom of heaven? Verses 2 and 3, it says, Jesus called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So while the question was, how do you be great in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus starts with an earlier question, which is, okay, how do you even get in? And if you're here this morning and you do love reading books and you think, Wait a minute, you're telling me that there is an environment totally designed around the same enjoyment I experience reading a book, but that goes on sort of forever, that kind of joy? If you're like, could you tell me more about that? How do I get into that? That's the question Jesus is answering. How do you get in? How do you qualify? How can you be part of this thing, this kingdom of heaven, instead of the kingdom of America or the kingdoms of this world? How do you be part of the kingdom of... Of heaven Jesus says let me explain that to you he says you've got to become like a child now what does that mean well knowing we wouldn't immediately get what that means Jesus not only says you have to become like a child he gives us an illustration that explains exactly what he means So I want you to picture in your mind the scene And you can imagine sort of the 12 disciples gathered around Jesus and they're kind of having this question and they're debating, you know, LeBron or Michael or they're having this conversation, who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And they ask Jesus this question and Jesus is standing there and I want you to picture this in your mind and he looks over to say his left and there's a little child. We don't know if it's a boy or a girl, doesn't say, just a child. And he looks and he sees that child and he says, come here. And the child walks over and they're kind of all gathered around and Jesus is right here and maybe he puts the child on his knee or maybe he's holding the child or maybe he's kind of resting his hands on the child's shoulders. And he says, you have to become like a child. Well, what does that mean? This was the illustration. How did that child get to Jesus? Well, he was invited. Jesus looks at this child and says, come here. He calls the child to him. And what does the child do? He comes, or she comes, accepts the invitation. And look, I don't want to make this too simple, but it's actually pretty simple. And it's simple because even a child can understand this. How do you get into the kingdom of heaven? How do you qualify for the kingdom of heaven? How do you become a person for whom your future will be the kingdom of heaven? Jesus invites you. I mean, how'd you get in the NBA? None of us are in the NBA. The family gets drafted. You get invited. How do you get into the kingdom of heaven? You get invited. How do I know if I'm invited? Here's the really good news. Jesus is inviting everybody to come be part of the kingdom of heaven. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online, if you listen to an audio recording of this, if you're willing, you can hear in my words, Jesus speaking through me to you just saying, come here, come to me. He's inviting everybody. This is what the cross is. This is Jesus' invitation to the whole world. He's inviting each and every person, come. Now, he's not this morning just inviting generally. He's actually inviting each of us this morning, come. This is a request from him to you. It's like you're the little child sitting over here, and you got a group of people. We're the church. We're all gathered here. And he looks over at you this morning... And he says, come to me. And what did that child do? He simply accepted the invitation. How did the child get into the middle? How did he get to be? How did this little kid, boy or girl, how did they get to be into the middle of this group? They got invited and they accepted. The same is true for you this morning. And you're like, well, how do you accept? Again, to try to keep this as simple as possible, we could sort of reenact this exact situation. And what we could do is say, look, if you want to be part of the kingdom of heaven, if you want to get entrance into the kingdom of heaven, just stand up right now. And I actually don't want you to do this, but stand up right now and walk down front. We could do that. That's kind of what this child did, is they walked over to Jesus and there was their acceptance of this invitation. We could just say you walk forward And that's the sign of your acceptance. We're not going to do that this morning because we don't want you thinking about, well, what if these people, what are they going to think of me? We don't want there to be any hindrance because ultimately this is an invitation from Jesus to you. And we want you to respond to Jesus. So we could also just simply say, "Hey, look, if you want to accept this invitation, and I'm not asking you to do this, Just simply raise your hand. And by raising your hand, that's sort of a sign and a symbol too. Jesus is inviting you into the kingdom of heaven. If you raise your hand, then he'll say, I see that hand. And he will accept that you are accepting his invitation. We're not doing that this morning as well for the same reason. We don't want you worried about what are the people around me going to think. And if I raise my hand, how's that going to go? But we do want you to have the opportunity to accept. So right now we're going to do something together. And because this is between you and Jesus, he's the one inviting you. It's not me, it's him. And if this morning you sort of feel your heart strangely warmed or you feel this desire or you hear this description of heaven and you're like, yeah, I would like that. Yeah, I would like to spend time doing the things that I find full of joy in this life to do that forever and in a context that's designed to maximize the blessing. If you're like, yes, I want in, and maybe you've never done that, and maybe you're just like, well, I'm not sure if I have or not. If that's you, I want you to do this with me in your sort of mind's eye. And what I'd like you to do is just picture, let's pretend that there's nobody in the room. So right now, just pretend there's nobody in the sanctuary, just you. And instead of me up here, you hear Jesus saying to you, just like he did to this child, come. And as you're imagining this and imagining that there's a whole group here, but you're right there and he's looking at you right now. And he sees you. And he's saying to you, yes, you, you're the one I'm talking to. And he's inviting you to come. If you needed to raise your hand in order to accept that. The question I have is: you look at this uh, this, uh, scenario in your mind, are you raising your hand? In your mind's eye, do you see your hand go up? Do you see yourself saying, yes, I accept? If you do, then you're doing exactly what this child did. See, it's not between you and me. It's not between you and the church. It's between you and Jesus. And if in your heart, you currently right now are raising your hand, that's how you gain acceptance to the kingdom of heaven. You're like, but that's so simple. Yes. Simple enough even for a child. It's not complex. It's just Jesus loving you enough to say, I want to give this to you. And if in your mind's eye, you raise your hand and say, I'll take that. I would take eternity in a place that is designed to maximize the experience of blessings, the things that I love to do. I would take that. That's how you get in to the kingdom of heaven. There's more that Jesus has to say because the question he was asked is not just how you get in, But also, how do you thrive? How do you thrive in the kingdom of heaven? And before we look at the next two verses, which answer that question, let me just say that one of the dangers of talking about heaven or the kingdom of heaven is it can make it feel like we're only talking about something in the future. And that we're only talking about, okay, what's gonna happen 20 years from now or 40 years from now or 50 years or whatever that may be, way off in the future. But when we look at these next two verses, you're gonna hear they actually don't sound very future, they sound present who is the greatest currently, who is great in the kingdom of heaven now. And that's because while we are waiting for Jesus to return to experience the fullness of the kingdom of heaven, that once you accept his invitation, the kingdom of heaven actually kind of starts now. You can think of it this way. If someone asks you to marry them, and you say yes, You're still waiting for the wedding day and the marriage for it to kind of fully start. But the minute you say yes, doesn't something change now? Don't you begin to act differently now because you've accepted that invitation? The same is true when Jesus invites you into the kingdom of heaven. If just a few minutes ago in your mind eye you raised your hand or in the past you've raised your hand, then by saying yes to Jesus, what happens is, is we are still waiting for him to come back to set up the whole thing. But the minute we say yes, it starts now. And so in the next couple of verses, these are actually answering the question, how do you thrive in the kingdom of heaven now and then in the future as well? And let's see Jesus' answers. Verses 4 and 5. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Okay, now remember, we still have this scene. Nothing's changed. And so remember, we've got kind of the disciples here and we've got Jesus here and we've got a child maybe on Jesus' knee or he's holding the child or resting his hands on his shoulders. And when Jesus says in verse four, whoever takes the lowly position of this child, what child is he talking about? This child, right? <laughs> this child. He's got a child right there. He invited the child to come over. The child is right there, and Jesus says, whoever takes the position of this child, that person will be great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, one unfortunate thing is that our translators have translated a Greek word that's in verse four with the English word lowly. I don't love that translation because lowly makes you think of commonplace or sort of ordinary or not very important. But is a child commonplace or ordinary or not very important? Is Jesus trying to say this child that his hands are resting on uh, his or her shoulders? Is he trying to say this child is commonplace or ordinary or not very important? No, he's actually saying this is a very important child. So the word that's used here, you could translate it lowly, maybe in some other context but it's one of our primary words for the word humility. And so I think what Jesus is talking about here is not lowliness, but humility and obedience. How did the child get to Jesus? Well, Jesus invited and the child came. Where is the child in our picture here? Right dead center. And where's everybody's attention? On that child. That child is currently in that moment great or thriving or doing what he or she is supposed to do in the kingdom of heaven. Do you see how you get in is the same as how you thrive? You basically do what Jesus asks you to do. That's how we got in. He invites, we respond. And how do you get to be sort of the center of attention? How do you get to be the person that's focused on? How do you get to be the one where everybody's saying they're doing a great job? It's the same thing. You just simply listen to what Jesus says and do whatever he tells you to do. This harkens back to Peter walking on the water. You might remember that I made a big deal in Matthew 14 when Peter's in the boat and it's time for him to get out of the boat. Jesus calls him out of the boat onto the water. He commands him to come. And at the beginning, what does Peter do? He gets out of the boat. And how does it go? He walks on water. How do you be great in the kingdom of heaven? Well, Peter was doing something that no other human except one had ever done before, and the one who had done it was the one already standing out there on the lake. Peter is being great in the kingdom of heaven because Jesus asked him to do something, and he simply obeyed. Like this child right here. This child didn't say, now wait a second, why do you want me to come into this circle? The child wasn't like, are you trying to take my money? So I was like, "Why don't you tell me the point, and then I will decide whether I want to come or not?" So Peter did the same thing. He didn't ask any questions. He got told to come out onto the water. He got out of the boat and started walking on the water. Then what happened? He started asking some really good adult questions, like, "How is this working?" <laughs> and what about all these wind and waves? And what if I don't make it? Those are really good, rational adult questions. But what happened when he started asking those questions? He started to sink. This morning, if Jesus asks you to volunteer in the children's ministry and you just simply obey, that's how you thrive in the kingdom of heaven. If Jesus asks you to invite somebody over for Thanksgiving that doesn't have any place to go for Thanksgiving and you invite them over for Thanksgiving, that's how you thrive in the kingdom of heaven. If Jesus asks you to confess a sin to somebody that you're like, I can't tell them this. I'm going to be embarrassed. This isn't going to go well. But yet you do it. That's how you thrive in the kingdom of heaven. How you get in and how you thrive is the same exact thing. When Jesus tells you to do something... If you just simply do it, that's how you thrive. Now, you might be like, well, how do I know that being asked to volunteer in the children's ministry? How do I know that's Jesus and not the church trying to manipulate me? Or how do I know that this person really should come over to my house for Thanksgiving? Or how do I know if I'm supposed to really confess or not? Or if that's just my guilty conscience? Those are really, really good adult questions. Any rational adult would ask those questions. And I happen to believe that God is kind and merciful and he will do his best to try to answer those questions for you and I. I don't think there's anything wrong with asking those questions. But this passage and this message is not about how do I avoid being deceived. This passage and this message is how do I thrive in the kingdom of God? And if you get asked to volunteer in children's ministry and you just do it, if you get asked to have somebody over for Thanksgiving and you just do it, if you get asked to confess your sins to a brother or sister and you do it, that's how you thrive in the kingdom of God. Now there's one more piece to this and that's verse five. So one part is we got to hear what Jesus is telling us to do and do it. And then there's verse five. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. This is similar but slightly different. What verse five is saying is okay, how did the child get into the middle of the circle? Well, number one, the child was invited. And the child came. The child did what they were asked to do. And look, they're right now in the middle of all these disciples. That's verse 4. Verse 5 is saying to the disciples, you've got to accept the fact that I was doing that with this child and not necessarily with any of you. Because maybe those 12 apostles were thinking, who's greatest in the kingdom? Maybe they thought he was going to pick one of them. Maybe they thought he was going to be like, "Uh, it's Simon. Maybe they would be like, hey, James, come here. You stand in the middle. In order to be great, you not only have to do what Jesus is asking you to do, you have to accept what Jesus is asking somebody else to do as well. There's two parts to this. Jesus calls us to do things, and when we obey, that's how you thrive in the kingdom of God. But to be a good team player, you also have to accept that the coach might say, we're running a play for somebody else, and it's not for you. There will be other shots that you get. There will be chances for you to be featured. But right now, I'm doing this with this person, and I didn't choose to do it with you. And to be great in God's kingdom is the willingness to accept He's the coach. He's the king. It's his kingdom. And if he picked this person to do this thing, when you welcome that Jesus is doing that in their life, when those 12 apostles celebrated, man, how cool was that for this kid? Yeah, those 12 have had all sorts of experiences with Jesus, but for this child, man, how great was that? When they took that attitude, that also, made them great in the kingdom of God. So in just a minute, we're going to celebrate baptism. And the reason we've held it to the end of the services is because it's a beautiful illustration of what's going on here. You see, everybody, there's four of them who are gonna get baptized this morning. I'm pointing up here because that's where it's gonna happen. All four of them at different times or in different ways, heard Jesus calling them into his kingdom and they raised their hand or they came forward or they prayed a prayer or they did something to say yes to that invitation and all four of them are headed into the kingdom of heaven. But in addition, they also heard Jesus say to them, you need to get baptized. And they might have wanted to ask lots of really good adult questions like, well, why do I have to be baptized? Why does it have to be in front of a whole bunch of people? Why couldn't I do it at Lake Michigan? Why do I have to read my testimony? Good questions. But what the four of them are doing is simply, well, I got asked to be baptized. I'm choosing to obey. And guess what's going to happen? I'm pointing up here because they're going to be there, and where are we going to be? We're going to be like the disciples sort of circled around them. They're going to be like this child. Do you see how they're doing exactly what this child did is they got asked to do something and there's lots and lots of reasons not to do it, but instead of listening to those reasons, they just simply said, this is what Jesus asked me to do and they're doing it and this morning they get to be great in the kingdom of God. This morning they are thriving and even though there was spiritual warfare, even though it was difficult, they didn't give in to those things and they're gonna stand up there and they're gonna be in the center of the circle and they're gonna thrive. And we have the chance to welcome what God's doing in their life. We get to cheer, we get to celebrate, we get to accept. You might hear something in one of these testimonies and you may say, well, guy, why isn't God doing that for me? You might say, well, how come I don't get to be the one up there? Why am I not the one that everybody's looking at this morning? Why isn't God doing for me what he did for them? Or you can say, isn't that awesome? Isn't that what great what God did? And when we welcome them, we will be thriving in the kingdom of heaven. How you get in and how you thrive is the exact same thing. Jesus calls, we accept. When he calls you into the kingdom and you accept, then you're in. When he gives you something to do, like baptism and you do it, then you're thriving. Now, before we get to baptism, let me close with one point at the end that's really important. We started with the question, who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And we ended with, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. The one thing we don't want to miss in all this great talk about long walks on the beach and friends giving and good food and basketball and the beautiful things of heaven is you know what the best thing about the kingdom of heaven is? Jesus. Because this world that he created, you know, he created this world. And the beautiful Lake Michigan that we love about this world, those beaches that we're walking on, those books that we're reading, the fellowship that we're experiencing, the sports that we're playing, that's all part of the creation that he created for us. Our sin has messed it up. We've made this into a giant middle school. We've made it a more difficult place. But the great thing about the kingdom of heaven is that same Jesus who created all of this also died on a cross and was raised from the dead to redeem and recreate all of this. And the very best part about Peter getting called out onto the water, about you raising your hand in your heart, about these four people saying yes to baptism, the very best thing that that child got was not being in the center of the circle. The very best thing that child got was I got to be near Jesus. That's the offer. The offer's not just, man, wouldn't you love to live life forever in the way it's designed to be? The offer is, Wouldn't you like to live life the way it's designed to be forever and ever with the person who loves you totally and completely and for the rest of eternity will continue to recreate and create and create life, life, life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we praise you. Thank you for making this simple. Lord, help us to simply obey. In your name we pray. Amen.